I do not remember what happened at 95% of my recesses at school as a kid. 95% of them, I have no clue what I did, no clue what went on around me. I remember a few of them, and there's one of them that I, recommend, I remember in particular. I had a bunch of friends that I hung out with a lot. We did just about everything together. These were my pals, my good buddies. But there was this one recess where they decided to run away from me. That was the game. Oftentimes we'd play soccer or play catch together or run around on the, on the playground, but that day, to this day, I don't, I don't know why, kids being kids, they decided to run away from me. And I spent the whole recess, oh, I should also say I was, I was a bit chunkier than them, they were a little bit more athletic and quicker, and so I was struggling to keep up, and I never caught up to them. And so that whole recess I spent running to catch up, embarrassed. I felt like everybody on the schoolyard knew what was going on. And then I would stop and I would stand by myself, but I could barely stand the feeling of being by myself. And so I'd run after them again. And I couldn't catch up to them. So finally I'd run out of breath or give up and then I'd stand by myself again. We were playing this cat and mouse game for, I guess, about 30 minutes until recess was over. And, and then the next recess, I don't remember exactly, but as far as I remember, that was the only recess that that ever happened. And we went on being good friends for years. Did lots of great things together. But I remember that recess. It hurt. And I will never forget it. I don't hold it against them. As I mentioned, we were good, good buddies. It's kids being kids. You look back, like, why did we do some of those stupid things we did when we were kids? Do you ever wonder that? But I look back, and I won't forget it, and it still hurts. And I ask, why, 27 years later, why do I still remember that? Why, when I remember that, do I feel this depth of sadness within me? And as I've reflected through it, why have I teared up? And as, as I'm telling you right now, I'm feeling, I don't know if you can hear my voice, it's not coming through real strong, but I'm feeling a little bit emotional, even as I tell you this now. Looking back, I believe that this event created a wound of some sort in my life. A wondering why people don't like me in certain situations. And, and that sounds irrational, right? Like, I'm surrounded by people I love and great friends and family. Like that's, and yet there's this underlying, this going back to why didn't they like me that day? And has also created, as I've reflected, this reality that there are times and situations, particularly if I feel like I'm in a setting where I'm inferior to the people around me, it's actually fairly easy for me as a pastor because I know it's expected of me and it feels natural to reach out to people I don't know or to engage, to initiate relationship. But in places where I'm inferior, I feel inferior, it's very hard for me to reach out and initiate conversation or a relationship because I'm afraid that I will be rejected. How much of that stems back to that experience as a kid? Or was that experience highlighting other things that I was already feeling in other circumstances? These are the things that I've been thinking about and processing. And I believe that the Holy Spirit has been revealing to me that this is an emotional wound in my life. Something significant happened that day, and that's why I remember it so clearly. And the good news is the Holy Spirit has been guiding me in a process of listening and praying through this and receiving God's healing 
in it. All of us have wounds. Spiritual wounds, emotional wounds. Whether you had a stellar childhood and you you can't imagine having a, a better childhood, or maybe you had a really difficult childhood, or somewhere in between, all of us, to varying degrees in different ways, have emotional wounds. We all have those moments that we look back at and we feel that sadness. Let's give you a moment to kind of think and reflect back on your life. Maybe it jumps readily to mine or maybe you're not sure, but I do believe that all of us have these wounds. And I'm going to give you a bit of space here to think through that. We all have wounds and some of these events molded who we are today. Do we have any Jeff Foxworthy fans out here? Jeff Foxworthy once said, I love being a parent. It's weird. It's hard. You sacrifice decades of your life raising someone who I guarantee you will one day tell you that you didn't do a thing right and move out in a huff. Next thing you know, your kid's on Oprah blaming you for everything. Perhaps taken to an extreme, but it's this reality that no matter, this is just part of life in our sinful condition, that we as parents do our best, but there are things that we will do that will wound our kids. And they will do things that wound their kids, of course, to varying degrees in a variety of ways, but it's just this, I think, and when I think of my friends, they were great friends. I couldn't ask for better friends as a kid, but there's this moment, I don't know what was going on that day, but I remember it and I feel it. We have these wounds that show up in some way, shape, or form. What are your wounds? The memories that still trigger a deep emotional reaction. Was it a time, maybe like myself, where you felt neglected by your friends? Was it a harsh word from a parent? Was it a sense that you could never do anything right? Maybe you have a faint memory of sexual abuse. Maybe it goes back to the very first time that you were exposed to pornography. Maybe you remember the time that your sibling told you in the heat of an argument that they wished that you had never been born. All of us have moments in some way, shape, or form like this, a wide array of painful experiences over the years. And I want to be careful. I don't want to make it sound like we're just like flooded with all of these horrible experiences that create wounds. I don't want to do that. I don't want to create a situation where you're just like looking and searching for anything. But I do want to open up the door for you to consider and to search and ask the Holy Spirit to lead you in this, saying, what are these things that shaped my life, these painful experiences? No doubt biblical characters had these wounds too. Jacob was favored by his mother, And his brother Esau was favored by his father. So his father didn't connect with him, didn't prefer him. I'm sure he felt that from the time he was a little toddler. And I'm sure that shaped the years ahead. Peter, I'm sure, remembered that moment when the rooster crowed three times and Jesus looked at him. And he remembered his sin of denying his friend, his master. I'm sure he remembered that moment and through the the result of his own sin, that there was a wound there that needed to be healed. Big or small, in troubled childhoods, or generally great childhoods, 
hurts and pains have worked their way into our life. What, what do you, when you think about it, what do you feel anxiety about? When do you feel anger rise up? When do tears spring to your eyes in surprising ways? Because these experiences have impacted us in deep ways. Reimer writes, so again, just a reminder that in this series, we're working with the book Soul Care. We're using this as a guide through various principles of Scripture. We're using, this fellow is working as a, as a leader, a mentor, a guide for how to work out these principles of Scripture into our lives. So Rob Reimer writes, he says, when I meet people who are looking for help, the first thing that I do is ask them to tell their story. Everyone is carrying some hurts, some emotional bumps and bruises. Unless these wounds are healed, they can negatively influence our reactions, our decisions, our behaviors, and our relationships, and they are limitations to our lives. But do you know what the good news is? Because we're all about good news, right? We say we proclaim the gospel. We believe in the good news of Jesus. There is really good news in the midst of all of this. The good news is that God redeems our pain. That's what God is in the business of doing. It's what he's all about. Isaiah 53 verses 4 and 5 says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. This pain we just talked about, Jesus took that up. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. By his wounds we are healed. God wants to bring healing into our lives. That's the good news. He wants to do it. He initiated that at the cross. And he wants to work that out in our lives day after day, month after month, year after year for us to grow into healing. Jesus accomplished so much of this at the cross. Forgiving our sins, giving us eternal life, making it possible for us to be restored. And now this work, this soul care, this becoming whole is the work that we need to do to open up our lives and to give God this space to do the healing work within us. Jesus wants to heal your wounds. It talks about peace in this text. It talks about the punishment that brought us peace was on him. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. Shalom is not just the absence of conflict. Shalom is a big, broad term that basically means the fullness of of the good life. It means wellness. It's the good life. The fullness of God's blessing. Shalom. God wants to bring you shalom. It's not God's will for you to be forgiven for your sins and just make it through the next 50, 30, 80 years struggling, feeling this pain, acting out from this pain, surviving till you get to heaven. That's not God's will. God's will is to begin working out that healing in your life. Revealing the kingdom more fully in your life. And he will fully and finally restore us in the new heavens and the new earth. 
but he wants to start that healing work now. And how many of us, I'm one of them, that says, sweet, I'm saved, I'm going to do all kinds of great things for God, we'll get to heaven, but I don't embrace this space that God has now to do powerful works of healing in me and in you. The other key piece, Romans 8, 28 to 29, says, we know that in all things, actually, I'm just going to read verse 28, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. A key scriptural principle. This is what God's about. What is God about? In all things, he works for the good of those who love him. In all things. He's in the business of taking horrible, wretched things that weren't his will, that didn't come from his hand, the evil that's done to us, the corruption that we experience. He has a way of taking that and using it for good. Rima writes, he says, it's important to remember that God can redeem the pain in our life. Not that God sent it, but that God can redeem it. He turns the arrows of the enemy meant to destroy us into the scalpels of the great physician meant to heal us. Isn't that interesting? The arrows of the enemy, he turns into the scalpels of the great physician meant to heal us, to give us hope in every circumstance. So this begs the question, how do we find this healing? How do we work toward this healing? How do I work in a healthy way through these childhood experiences, these life experiences that have shaped me in negative ways? The first one is, invite the Holy Spirit to guide you. Reamer has another great quote where he says, God is smart and he knows stuff. Well, of course God's smart and he knows stuff. That seems obvious. He knows stuff that we don't know, and he likes to tell us. I don't know the things that have shaped me in negative ways. I don't know the things that have created fear or undue sense of burden, whatever it may be. I don't don't know those things, but the Holy Spirit was right there with me in every single one of those circumstances, and the Holy Spirit knows it. How will we create that space and ask God, say, lead me, draw to my mind the memories, draw to my mind the things that happened around it, draw to my mind what you need to say. Acts 2, 17 and 18 says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. This is one application of that text, trusting that the Holy Spirit can speak and guide us in our memories and our thoughts and our feelings of these things. We need to learn how to let the Holy Spirit guide us in this. We need to create that space to sit in silence, to remember to listen. Ask God to draw those memories of wounds to your mind. Ask him to lead you through the experience and reveal things that you need to see about that experience, allowing him to speak words of truth. So the first one is letting the Holy Spirit guide you. The second one, process it with others. If you have a family member whom you trust, invite them to talk it through or a close friend. The thing about family members is I've got Siblings who've been with me through almost my whole life. They know some of these things. They know other dynamics that work around us. 
in ways that others don't. So maybe you have a sibling that you can say, you know what, can I just talk about this with you? This is what I remember. This is how I think it shaped me. Or maybe it's a close friend. Oftentimes the Holy Spirit speaks through those around us. They can shed further insight. The conversation may reveal other family wounds that you might not even be aware of. And again, I want to balance this. I don't want us to be looking under every rock to find every possible wound that, you know, we can go on a, we can go on quite the treasure hunt trying to figure all this out. But creating the space to listen for where those are the case and inviting the Holy Spirit to guide you. My wound that I shared earlier about recess, um, I had the opportunity this week to share about it, and some of it was preparing for this message and processing it. Um, I've been processing it quite a while back, but processed it more again this week, and I shared with one of those friends that ran away from me, and I said, I don't know if I should share this. I don't want to burden you with it. I hold nothing against you, but this is what happened. And he looked at me, and and I got emotional when I told him, and he looked at me, and he just said, I don't know what to say. He said, I'm sorry. And so I'm not looking for anything. But he was able to speak some words of truth into that experience and words of blessing. And it was just a neat point of reconciliation. And it, it, it wasn't, looking back, it wasn't even that he said anything profound. I wasn't looking for him to say anything profound. It was just sharing in that memory together and a step of healing and restoration. So I want to ask you, who can you process this with? I want you to have courage in that. And then the third piece is to invite Jesus into the memory. Jesus says that one of his keys is to invite the presence of Jesus into a painful memory. Jesus was there. The Holy Spirit was there with you in the midst of that painful experience. Rima writes, he says, Jesus is always with us. Even if we can't see him or aren't aware of him, we need to be attentive to him. God can renew our mind by revealing Jesus' presence in these past events and healing our memories by involving our imaginations. Let the Holy Spirit give you prophetic images in guiding you toward healing. A lot of us have never done that before. What would it look like to say, you know what, I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to create that space. I'm going to invite God to guide me. I'm going to imagine what was Jesus saying, doing, feeling as he was with me in that memory. Reamer goes on to say, that is why God sometimes gives people a picture of a past memory infused with Jesus' presence as his presence is manifest, healing occurs. So my experience was picturing Jesus beside me at recess, thinking through what was his posture? What would he have said to me? And I envisioned him calmly walking behind me as I chased after my friends. He was right there. He wasn't anxious. He wasn't stressed out. He was just there. And as I returned after having not been able to catch up to them and walked back and envisioning Jesus there waiting for me with warmth and kindness and placing his hand on my shoulder. Receiving the loving presence of Jesus. Having eyes to see what he was saying and how he felt in what were painful experiences for us. Another situation that I'm not going to describe here, but I took some time as I was walking through it a while back, and I was sitting in my car actually out at McNaughton Park. I was going to go for a run on the trail there and spend some time just kind of journaling and praying through some stuff. And uh, a a wound, and the Holy Spirit spoke powerfully to me, and he gave me a vision of Jesus. I could picture Jesus right there in a very chaotic situation where the devil was, was flinging terrible things 
and I pictured, I saw Jesus sitting there, standing there, again, calmly, not out of control, just speaking words of truth and life over the people and over the situation. Taking control of the situation and having the eyes to see his presence and how he perceived the event. Having eyes to see how the lies of the deceiver was, was seeking to do so much destruction. And Jesus just standing there saying, that's not true at all. That's not true. That's not who you are. This is who you are. This is where I am. And totally reframing that situation. And it was a pretty powerful and emotional experience for me. I came away emotionally spent, but at greater peace. The Holy Spirit wants to lead us in this stuff. God wants to heal us. And in what I've shared this morning, I'm just scratching the surface, so I'm just going to keep putting it out there. Grab a copy of this book on your way out. I've heard from a number of people who found it to just be a tremendous guide. It's almost like a mentor or a friend receiving the, the words of this fellow as he encouraged us to apply these scriptural principles to our lives. And there's a whole chapter. Maybe this, maybe this message more than the others struck you, and you're like, yeah, you know what? I do need some guidance. Grab, grab a copy. It's chapter, I don't know, chapter, you'll see it. It's called Healing Wounds. So in conclusion, I invite you this week to create space and to ask God, what are those wounds? You might not even be aware of them. It was only in the last like five or six years ago that I don't know why that I became aware of this recess memory. And these things affect how you live today, how you view the world around you. They've shaped you in unintended ways which you might not even be aware of. Will you invite Jesus to do a healing work and set you free? So I'm going to turn to the reflection questions for this week. First off, I'll email these out again. Recall a wound and ask the Holy Spirit how he would like to address the wound and let him guide you in this. This requires a lot of just sitting in silence with God, creating space and time. He might not speak immediately but allowing him to direct you through that. Second one, then look at what are some of the other wounds in your life. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you all of the different areas that may need healing. Find a fellow believer who is willing to pursue healing with you. Pray for one another. Listen together to the Holy Spirit. And then I'm going to close by inviting you to pray with me. This theme prayer. Lord, I'm willing to change, but I don't know how to change. There are deep-seated things inside of me that are broken, and I can see that. The problem is, I don't know what they are. I don't know what the roots are, and I don't know how to change them. I need your help. Can you lead me to a path of change? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are our healer. And so we invite you to speak to us and to guide us in this healing work that you want to do. We open up our hearts to you for this and we pray, come. Amen. All right. Well, may God be with you the rest of the day. Don't blow away. 
stay safe. A reminder to continue doing our part in, uh, in keeping things safe with physical distancing, so on and so forth. Grab an MCC catalog on the way out. Um, thanks for being here.